if you have your Bibles, uh, you want to stay in Acts chapter 1 as we begin sermon series on the great book of Acts. We're going to be looking at the first seven chapters. We're going to be doing this paragraph by paragraph between now and the end of July. So we'll be in Acts for a while. You know, sometimes you end up uh, in a place where, 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 where you didn't anticipate you would end up and find yourself in the wrong place. My wife and I were traveling overseas. We lived overseas for a while. We got pretty used to traveling overseas. We got a little too overconfident about our ability to navigate train stations and airports. And uh, we were in Munich at the time, and we were trying to get to Nuremberg, and we came in a little bit late. I had my ticket. I looked up at the the, the signs there, and I don't know German, but it was pretty clear. Track 24 is the train to Nuremberg. It's leaving in one minute. We ran, got into the train. The door shuts. The train starts to go off. And then Denise and I realize there's nobody on this train. We walk car after car after car. There's nobody going to Nuremberg. And I begin to think, I'm not sure we're going to Nuremberg. I don't know what to do. And of course, it wasn't that long before we had seen this movie about the, you know, the little boy who got on the train in India and, you know, <laughs> went, went on for forever and was like, we're lost. It's over. We'll never get back. So I sat there puzzled in what to do. I I thought we were on some kind of a ghost train of some kind. And I finally had the nerve to push the intercom button and say, I'm very sorry. I think I said something like, I'm I'm an American. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm trying to go to Nuremberg. I'm not sure this train is going to Nuremberg. Can you help? Long pause. Then a voice disembodied voice. This train is not going to Nuremberg. So I say, I I know, but where is it going? And when can I get off? Okay. Long pause. Then another, the voice, the same voice comes on. This train is not going to Nuremberg. Well, the train did finally stop. But the doors wouldn't open. We're running around in the train and trying to figure out how to get out of it. Finally, some worker on another train sees us and he's like, you know, like, what what are you doing here? He gets us out of the train. I walk to the front of the train and look at the engineer there and trying to get his attention to say, thank you, we're off. He won't look at me. So we have to walk a couple miles get back on another train, get back to Munich, finally got to Nuremberg. But we were in the wrong train, not going to Nuremberg, thinking we were. And I got to be honest about Acts chapter 1. As I read this text over and over this week, I started to feel like, to some extent, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I thought I was on the right train, but I've been on the wrong train because of what this text talks about. 
You see, when you, when you look at Acts 1, 1 through 11, it, it talks about the ascension of Jesus Christ. And, and, and what I started to think about this week is, is that, obviously not as well as I ought to, but I often connect my life to the birth of Jesus. I know that Jesus put on a human body. I know what it says in Philippians 2, that he emptied himself. He put on a human body. He took the form of a servant. He became a man and he laid down his life for us. And Philippians 2 would tell us, have the same mind in you as in Jesus. In other words, sacrifice yourself for other people. I think about that, you know, a few times a year. No, a little more, more than that. I often connect myself to the death of Jesus. I know that Jesus died once for all for sin. And because I know Christ is my savior, I know that I died to sin once for all in Jesus. And I'm thrilled with the Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That connection gets made in my life fairly often. And I, I often connect myself to the resurrection of Jesus. Of course, it's easy. Last week was Easter. But, but when Jesus rose from the dead and he rose to new life, because I know Christ is my Savior, I am in Christ. I am related to him. And in the spiritually, Jesus rose from the dead. He is uh, free from the power of sin and death. So am I because I'm in Jesus. I make that connection. But as I... Reading Acts 1 through 11, which is focused on the ascension of Jesus Christ. I just got this feeling I've been on the wrong train. Or certainly I haven't been on the right train enough. Certainly in comparison to orienting my life around the the birth, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Me relating my life practically to the ascension of Jesus was far less consistent than those other identifications with Jesus that I've made. And my working theory as a pastor of this church is that you are at least as dysfunctional as me. And that maybe there are some of you like me, where the ascension of Jesus Christ has not been a functional focus of you identifying with Jesus in the same way, I hope, you've been identifying with the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I want you to see this in the book of Acts to see that the ascension of Jesus is the key event that, that, that connects the life of Jesus uh, 2,000 years ago with Jesus' continued works in the world through us by the power of the Holy Spirit today. Let's go back to Acts 1 verse 1. It says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. What you see in the book of this first verse of, 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 of the book of Acts is that um, you, you see now that the, the, this author has written another book, not just Acts, but he's written another book. We believe it was Luke. In the book of Luke, in the first four verses, you should look at it this afternoon. Luke is also writing to someone named Theophilus. We think it was probably a real person. And, and, and Luke says in, in chapter 1 of his gospel of, of account of Jesus Christ is that he carefully interviewed eyewitnesses and he put together an orderly account so, so Theophilus would know what Jesus began to do and began to teach. And then in the book of Acts, it says, In the first book, Theophilus, 
I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. Luke is, is giving a, a sort of a second volume of his two-volume work. One, the Gospel of, of Luke, now the Gospel of the Church, really, but the story of the Church, the story of Christ's continuing work through God's people, the Church, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is interesting. It's very clear what Luke is trying to do here. He is connecting the gospel of Luke with the book of Acts through the ascension. He says in the first book, O Theophilus, verse 1, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. I want you to turn real quickly to Luke chapter 24 because Luke ends his book with a description of the ascension. And we'll pick it up in verse 48 of Luke 24. As Luke wraps up his first volume addition to Theophilus, he says, verse 48, you are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, which will be the promise of the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. This is how Luke concludes his story to Theophilus of what Jesus began to teach and what he began to do. Then when you get to Acts, the second volume of Luke's two volume work, Acts 1, it starts right back up almost from the very beginning of the book with the ascension again. And if you go down to verses 9, 10, and 11 of this first section in the, in the book of Acts, you see this, verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So what you see in Luke's two-volume account is that it's the ascension of Jesus that links the gospel of Luke with Luke's second volume to the works sent to Theophilus, the works of Jesus continued in his church by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the ascension of Jesus that links the two ministries, the two books, the two works. And I think what Luke is trying to suggest here, I think, is that the, the ascension was not simply the culmination of Jesus' ministry on the earth. It was actually the beginning of his continued work on the earth through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, go back up to verse 1. He says, in the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. And now that he was taken up, the ascension means that the work of Jesus will continue on this earth through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the linkage. This is the linchpin of showing us how important the, the, this connection should be made between the life of Jesus on earth and the, and the continued work of Jesus on the earth through us. And so what I want to encourage us to do, and I, I realize I may be preaching only to myself this morning. That's fine. I won't fall asleep as I preach, so that's point, good point. And maybe some of you have a more robust view of the ascension. That's great. I, you need to help me and help us. 
But what I want us to do, since Luke links the ascension as the critical fulcrum between the life of Jesus on earth and the continued work of Jesus on earth, I want us to reconnect in a deeper way, maybe in a more robust way, with the ascension of Jesus in your daily life. And I want to suggest three reconnections that we need to make this morning. The first is this. All of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, it's great that we connect with the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Keep doing that. But we need to reconnect the ascension of Jesus to our vision of who Jesus is and what he's doing. In other words, we need to reconnect the ascension just as tangibly as we connect the birth, death, and resurrection. The, the ascension of Jesus Christ ought to be a present help, a present vision of Jesus that, that informs how we respond to him and how we respond to the world. So in this first reconnection, I'm going to have to go outside this text. This text does give the narrative of the ascension, but I want to give you four Um, and excuse me, three very important realities of the ascension that you need to get straight in your mind in order for this reconnection to have value in your daily life. The first is this. You need to turn to Ephesians 1, 20 to 23. Ephesians 1, 20 to 23. The first reconnect the ascension to your vision of Jesus is this. In Ephesians 1, 20, because we just talked about this a few months ago, it's talking about the power of the great power that is in Christ Jesus, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And then it goes on and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What you see, what the, what the ascension means when Jesus is taken up into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the father. He is in a place of power and authority, massive power and authority. In fact, the way Paul describes it, it's almost like he can't describe it. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but the age to come. What the ascension means is that Jesus, our Savior, is in heaven right now, in the presence of God the Father, in a position of power, immense power, incredible power. And this Jesus is is in that position of power as fully God and fully man. I think this is the other thing that hit me is I sort of have this view that Jesus went into heaven and maybe he went back into his pre-incarnate state. No, he is the God man, fully God and fully man. He is up there in heaven in a human body with his nail scarred hands body. And he's up there as fully God and fully man ruling the universe at the right hand of the Father. And what this means is, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, yes, you should identify with his birth, his death, his resurrection, but you must also identify with this Jesus who has all the power in the world to accomplish all that is needed to take place in the world at large, but in your life. Let 
As you know, I didn't grow up in New Jersey. I was forced to go here by God. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I just said it's just a number of New Jersey type friends, you know, and you ask them a question. Hey, I got a problem with my car. And, and a lot of people say, hey, I got a guy. I got a guy. Well, who is this? I got a guy. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll make the arrangements. Everybody's got a guy to fix this or fix that. The reality is all of us at various times in our life, we need somebody on the inside of some organization that we want to work for. Someone we can connect with who knows us, who has the power to hire us. I can't tell you how many phone calls I get with, with people looking for a job and struggling to get employment. They'll call me and say, I'm trying to get into this field. Do we have anybody at Stonehill in this field? And every once in a while, I'm able to connect them to somebody who leads them into the place of power where they can get a job. And think about this, folks. We have a guy. We have a, a one who's fully man, fully God, yes, but the God-man, Jesus, who rose from the dead to defeat sin and death is at the right hand of the Father. And if you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you are intimately connected with him. And where is he? He's in the throne room with God, the Father himself. You have all the access to power. We're not alone. We don't have a remote God. We have a God who, as a human being, fully God and fully man, is there, and we're connected with him vitally. We're in Christ, the Bible says, and Christ is in you. I think it's easy for us to forget this. We look at the world, we see, see it's chaotic. We can't see Jesus today, you know, but, but he, he, that's where he is. And you are vitally connected to him. It's the first thing I want you to see about the ascension. Look at the second thing I want you to see with the ascension. It's Romans 8.34. Romans 8.34. Great text in Romans. Worth its own sermon series in and of itself. Verse 34 says, who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. See, see I, think, I think sometimes when we think of the ascension of Jesus, we say, well, Jesus went up to heaven. I'm not sure what he's doing. I'm not sure how that connects to my life because I'm here and he's there. No, he's active. He's at the right hand of the Father. And according to this verse, he's interceding for you. He is at the right hand of the Father and he's taking your needs, your requests, and directly giving them to the one who has all power, God the Father. And of course, Jesus himself is fully God and fully man. So he is interceding on your behalf. That's what part of the ascension means. He is talking to God about you. He is active. He is, he is trying to help you. And this should be such a great encouragement. Because I don't, I don't know many believers who would say that their prayer life is... You know, I, I've, I've, met, I've met no, maybe there's one of you, email me. And then I'll probably tell you, sit down, you've got another problem. Who will say, oh, my prayer life's really, I got it all together. I mean, sometimes, aren't you honest? You don't even know what to pray for. Haven't you ever been in a situation where you're so overwhelmed, you're not even sure what you ought to pray, and you're not even sure you can pray? Guess what? The ascended Jesus, the Lord of the universe, is interceding for you. That's what it means, his ascension. 
praying for you, taking your sorry prayer life, fixing it up and delivering it to God the Father on your behalf. That's what the ascension means. That's the picture that needs to be in your head when you connect your life to the ascension. And of course, what makes this even more powerful, right, is that Jesus was a human being. He still is fully man. Jesus knows exactly what it's like to live in a broken world. We don't have some remote God who has no idea what what it's like to live in this broken world. He did it. He faced suffering. He faced persecution. Jesus knows exactly what it means to be betrayed by good friends. Jesus knows exactly what it means to be accused of being crazy when he actually was the son of God. He knows what it means when people thought he was nuts or people thought he was demon-possessed even. He knows what it means to, to have all of his friends leave him in the most crucial hour of his life. And so when you pray to him with your feeble prayers... He knows exactly what it means to face the difficulties of this broken world. And he is taking your prayer life and making it better and taking those requests directly to God. And he is at the right hand of the father with the power to help you and knows exactly how to help you because he's experienced life as you've experienced it. One more thing. We won't turn here, but you need to look up. All of you need to read John 14, 15, and 16 to get a fuller picture of what the ascension means. But Jesus talks about in John 16, I have not left you as orphans. Jesus says, I'm going to go to the Father, but I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit. Okay, those two are connected. Him going up means he pours out his Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Listen, if Jesus had stayed on the earth in his resurrected body, he would have been limited. He would have been limited to to ministry just wherever he could go. But when he ascends to the Father and then pours out the Holy Spirit into our lives, the Holy Spirit, in some sense, is the personal presence of Christ who he now can give to all believers. So that Jesus now in in that throne room at the right hand of God is not limited because he pours out the spirit. And now each of us can have an intimate, personal experience with the living Jesus connected to the throne room because we are in Christ. And so we have an intimacy. We, 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 We can know who Christ is. We can experience him in real time. And Jesus can be experienced by everyone who puts their faith and confidence in him because he ascended and then he poured out that spirit and we're not orphans. This is why when we read the Luke 24 passage, when Jesus ascends to heaven, you would think maybe the disciples would be upset. Jesus is leaving. They don't know when he's going to come back. No, what I, they're filled with joy. Why? They know the spirit is coming upon them. They know that Christ will be uh, up in heaven with his father at the right hand of God. And that's who they'll be praying to. And that's who will be interceding for them. And because the spirit is going to be poured out, the disciples have great joy, even though Jesus is leaving. Because Jesus will still be with them through the Holy Spirit. That... It's just a small portion of teaching that we need to internalize in order to reconnect the ascension of Jesus to our own vision of who Jesus is. And 
I guess I'll ask you like I've been asking myself. Is this the vision of Jesus that you think about often? Do you connect your life to this ascended Jesus and all that it means? And again, we've just scratched the surface. That's the first reconnection. Let's look at the second reconnection. Back to Acts 1. The second reconnection with the ascended Jesus is this. I'll go back up to to verse 3. He says, To them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs. In other words, Jesus gave his disciples multiple opportunities to see that he truly had risen from the dead. He appeared to them during the 40 days, or 40 days between his, his resurrection and his ascension. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. That's the Holy Spirit. He said, when you'd wait for me to pour out the Spirit that he had talked about. John 14, 15, and 16, great chapters. In which he said, you heard from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. It will be another 10 days after his ascension and at Pentecost when the disciples will be filled and baptized with that Holy Spirit that Jesus promised. And we get to verse 6, and I can't spend hardly any time on this, which will frustrate some of you theologians, but that's, that's okay. So then they had come together. They asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. It's very interesting uh, that, you know, the, the, certainly the disciples had a very literal view of what that restoration of Israel would look like before the death of Christ. That's very clear. Apparently, during the 40 days that Jesus uh, ministered to them, he did talk to them about the kingdom, right? Uh, and now, as he's getting ready to leave, they say, are, are you going to restore Israel at this time? Now, the reason I'm not going to deal with this is this would be a series of sermons. And I know that I love Stonehill Church, but we have a diversity of opinion on this topic. What is the restoration of Israel? What is that going to look like? For our purposes this morning, I simply want to say what Jesus does with this, he doesn't correct their question per se. But he does say to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, yes, the restoration of Israel will happen, but that's going to be in the future. And it's not for me to it's not for you to know that today. Why? Because I'm doing something else. I'll leave it at that. If you want to request a long discussion of this, we can spend now until the time Jesus comes sorting it out. And then when Jesus comes, decide who was right. And who was wrong about that? But the second reconnection is in verse 8. Again, he says, don't worry about the times. Don't, don't be fixated on the times of, 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 of that, the restoration of Israel. But, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The second reconnection we need to make to the ascension is that we need to reconnect the ascension of Jesus to our mission as witnesses of Jesus. We need to to connect, we need to reconnect to the ascension of Jesus and realize as God's people, both individually and corporately, we have a mission and that mission is to, to, to point people to Jesus Christ. It's very clear here. 
says, you will receive power. I will deal with that in just a minute when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. That witness is there. It comes from a word that kind of talks about martyrdom, actually, but a witness. We are witnesses. We are supposed to testify to other people about the glories of Jesus, as Luke has been telling Theophilus, what Jesus taught and what he did. That is our role. That is what we are to do individually, but that is what we are to do corporately. This is the fundamental mission of the church. It's all about Jesus. It's all about helping other people understand who he was, what he did, and how they can connect to him by faith. Of course, I think this is one of the challenges we have in the church. There's lots of wonderful things we could do at Stonehill Church, but it better be focused around this, telling people, pointing people, directing people, witnessing, meaning sharing what Christ has done in our lives to other people so they might come to know him as we do. This is what we must be doing. This is the mission. And that mission is, 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 is dictated in part because Jesus Christ has ascended. He is now at the right hand of the father. He is involved in bringing all things because of his great power, his, his position of bringing all things in heaven and earth under his authority. And that happens through the preaching of the gospel, through the sharing of Christ to other people. That is what Jesus is about. And since he has all authority in heaven and on earth, And since he has given us this Holy Spirit, and again, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment, to give us the power to do this, this is what we need to be consumed with doing. And it's interesting how how, how, uh, Jesus puts that. He says, I want you to be witnesses in uh, Jerusalem. That's where they were at the time when the Spirit was poured out on them. In all Judea and Samaria, this would have been the surrounding region. Samaria would have been an ethnically diverse area, religiously diverse from Jerusalem, where it would be mostly uh, Jewish individuals there. But then it's the, the mission is to go to the, to the end of the earth. It's to go to every single person Every single people group, not just in Jerusalem, not just in in, in the Middle East, North Africa there, to the ends of the earth to proclaim the reality that Jesus is Lord. He has ascended. He is the Lord of the universe. And the only way to get to know that Jesus is through trusting him alone to save you from your sin, which is the, the essence and message of this gospel that we have been entrusted with. Of course, that informs what we do here at Stonehill, right? The reason we support 35 global partners is not because we just, we, we, you know, these are not people that were on church discipline and we sent out because we were tired of them. This is not some joy thing we do. Hey, hey, you like international travel? Well, yeah, you go over here. We sacrifice as a church and we sacrifice individually to send people all over the world. Why? To obey this mission. Jesus Christ is the Lord of the universe. And the only way to get right with that Lord is through the gospel. And so we send people all over the world, some of these states, but all over the world. Why? To obey this mission, because this is what the ascension would call us to do. So I'll just give you a little heads up over the next couple of weeks. We're going to be attempting to get a number of you 
actually five individual small groups to connect with each of our 35 global partners that you will form a prayer base and a support base for them so that they can be effective in doing their ministry around the world as witnesses of Jesus Christ. This is why I've, I've often encouraged a number of you to identify three to five people in your life that, that you feel like maybe you are the one to be a witness to Jesus to them. Right now, I've got about 100 people giving me some names. I, I pray for you nearly every day. Pray for you. I pray for your friends. That you can fulfill this mission of the generated in some sense, found, founded on the ascension, Jesus going up, the spirit coming down so that more and more people can understand and get rightly related to the Lord of the universe. And I guess my question for each of us is, is this a focal point of your life? I mean, I know you need to go to work. You, you do need to do that. There's lots of things you need to do uh, that you need to do. But in, in terms of even as you go to work, is your focus on this mission? Jesus said, we are witnesses. We have to testify about Jesus. And it's all based on the ascension. He's Lord of the universe. And he's going to empower us by his spirit. But he's, is this the focus of your life? Is this the focus of your prayer life? Praying for the people in your life who don't know Christ yet. Is this the focus of your prayer life? To pray for our global partners, or at least a portion of them, so that God would, be, would do that, the work of Jesus through them. This should impact our prayer life. This should impact the way you are as a neighbor. This should impact the way you work. This should impact your life needs to have a focus in on this mission. That's the second reconnection, to reconnect the ascension to your mission of being witnesses to Jesus Christ. The third reconnection is this. We need to reconnect the ascension of Jesus to your source of power. It's very clear when you read John 14, 15, and 16 in particular, that Jesus goes up and the spirit comes down. The Spirit is the way for us to stay connected to Jesus. In the book of Luke-Acts, it's the ascension that carries on the work of Jesus, which we see in the Gospel of Luke. And then the work of Jesus continues. How? Through the church by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit that we have this intimate connection with Jesus himself. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to do this mission. And what, 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 what Jesus says here, you will receive power. He says that back in Luke 24. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The power source for the believer is the Holy Spirit who comes inside us and is the, the presence of Christ personally to us. But it's the power source to help us do all that we're called to do. I think Chris mentioned this in, in worship, um, as he was leading worship. The Spirit of God brings conviction of sin. It's the Spirit of God who empowers the preaching of God's Word. And we need that, for sure. It's the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians 3 that is the power source to change and become more like Jesus Christ. It's the Spirit of God who guides us into all truth. It's the Spirit of God who's indispensable even when we pick up a Bible to read it, to understand it. So as we close, I'll ask you two questions that I've been mulling over this week. 
Think about your last month. How often and regularly did you ask the Spirit of God to do anything in your life? Maybe to put it more positively, what if we did ask the Spirit of God to do all these things? What if when we got up every morning, we recognized, apart from you, Lord, I can do nothing. You've given me the Holy Spirit. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, make me more like Christ. By your Holy Spirit, empower me to share the, and point people to Christ as, as you give me opportunities. Lord Jesus, by your Spirit, help me to understand the Word of God as I look into it. Uh, uh, Holy Spirit, take every teaching moment at Stone Hill and infuse it with the power, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 2, so that lives will be changed through the Word, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. What would happen if we lived more consistently walking in the Spirit, depending upon the Spirit, asking the Spirit of God to do what only He can do? I I think it changes a lot. Well, there's a lot of sermons between now and July on Acts. And there's going to be a lot of sermons on the Holy Spirit and the Ascension And you're going to hear it over and over again, and we need to hear it. I know that many of you see the birth of Jesus and the incarnation of Jesus as something that impacts your daily life. I know that we think the death of Christ impacts our daily life. I know that we know the resurrection of Jesus Christ impacts our daily life. Let the ascension of Jesus, that act, also dictate how you live your life. The ascension of Jesus, the pouring out of the Spirit, the focus on giving us a mission, all of that based on the ascension of Jesus. I know some of you have had tr- trouble getting vaccines, right? Um, it's, it's kind of a challenge to get signed up. And uh, I've thought about this. You know, you need a, you need a guy, <laughs> to sign you up. And if you're my age or older, you need a younger guy (laughs) or a younger woman to help you navigate all that. The ascension of Jesus means that you have a savior who's in a human body, the right hand of the father, who knows exactly what you're suffering because he suffered. A person who knows intimately what life is like in this broken world. He is constantly interceding on your behalf. He has all the power of the universe to orchestrate his plan, to bring all things under his authority. And you have direct access to him. You've got a guy, he's there, the God man, Jesus. And that same Lord of the universe poured out his Holy Spirit so you have a personal connection. The presence of Jesus with you in intimacy who gives you the power to change, the power to share, the power to pray, the power to study God's word. All of this power is available to us. Let's not live as if the ascension never happened. It did. Let's not live as if the ascension is Jesus is somehow in his pre-incarnate state in some ethereal place with God. And we No, it has massive connection. You believe the ascension and all that that means? You will live differently. You will pray differently. You will hope differently. You will focus your life and your resources of your life to the mission in a more clear and focused way. It will change everything. Because our Lord who died for you is ruling the universe at the right hand of the father 
And that should give us hope, peace, comfort. And it does give us power by that Holy Spirit who came down to dwell within us. Let me pray for us and then we should worship this great God. Lord Jesus, I just want to confess personally that I have not lived as consistently as I ought to understanding what the ascension of Christ means. I I haven't reconnected my life to that ascended Jesus. That understanding of Jesus, Lord, has been fuzzy to me, not real clear and not real. I pray for those in our midst, in our church, to also find this same fuzziness, lack of clarity, lack of focus on the ascended Jesus. I pray that you would help us to link ourselves because we are in Christ and Christ is in us by the Holy Spirit. Link our daily life to the ascended Lord who intercedes, who knows our suffering, who has all the power in the universe to help us to accomplish this mission he has given us. Lord, help us to see at Stonehill and individually, help us to see that what Jesus did on the earth and what he did and what he said continues on. Jesus is still working on this earth. He's still teaching and doing and acting and he's doing it through us because we have the Holy Spirit and we are connected to him who's at the right hand of the Father. His work goes on in us by the Holy Spirit. And help us to take up that work with vigor, with hope, and with the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.